This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Senator Josh Hawley represents Missouri in the U.S. Senate. Before his election to the Senate, he worked as a First Amendment lawyer and law professor and served as the Attorney General of Missouri. He's also a husband and a father of three kids. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. Would you just give us a little background on, on how you came to be a follower of Christ? Yeah, absolutely. I had the incredible blessing of being raised by two Christian parents, both of whom knew the Lord, came to the Lord themselves when they were teenagers, and uh, did me the incredible good service of, of telling me about Jesus from the time that I was small. So I don't remember a time, Kirk, when I didn't know about the Lord. I can remember when I was five, sitting on my dad's lap and praying to accept Jesus into my heart. And then when I was a little older, when I was 12, making a more public and a little more mature confession of faith. And then just walking that out, you know, over the years and, and learning what that looks like when you go off to college and what that looks like then when you get married and start a family. I'm married to a, a woman who loves the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Lord is her number one love of her life, which is as it should be. And uh, then together we've, we've made a home and a life with three kids. And uh, it's just an incredible blessing. I tell my boys all the time that the greatest adventure of your life is to follow Jesus, and that has for sure been true in my case. It's inspiring and it's, um, it's instructive for us to see a guy like you who many know uh, because of television. We see so many videos. I watch so many videos of you as a senator holding people accountable, standing up for righteousness. But to know that in, in, in your heart of hearts, your identity is not shaped by your, your career, your vocation, but your relationship with Christ. And that's something I want to remember. I think that's something that all of us need to remember or, or, or we get off course. Let me, let me ask you, Josh, as a senator, you've got to have a very unique perspective on so many topics. And the topic that you are really passionate about is the American family and not only the family, but specifically the men in that family. What, what's concerning you today as a parent, as a believer about the American family? When you look at right now, the number of young men in this country who say that they are struggling with depression, who are struggling with drug abuse, who are struggling with suicide, and, and unfortunately who are committing suicide at rates that we haven't seen Kirk ever recorded in our country's history, I think it's hard to look at those numbers and say, oh yeah, every, everything is fine with men in America. Clearly it's not. When you look at the number of men who are foregoing marriage, or if they do get married, who are then leaving those marriages in divorce, we've got a major, major problem with American men. As husbands and fathers, yeah, but even before that as young men, getting off track in life, feeling any sense of purpose. And my view is this, for years now, decades, men in this country have been told by the left that to be a man is to be toxic, that to be a man is automatically to make the world a worse place. And I think we've got to send the exact opposite message, the truth, which is that, no, God created men for a purpose. God created us to take on responsibility, and we need men to step up, be husbands and fathers. That's how we're going to change the future of this country. We see the opposite message coming from media. We see it in music. We see it in movies. We see it in television programs. We see it in books. We see it in social media. And it's almost as though it's a calculated 
and nefarious plot to strip men of masculinity for a particular purpose. We can go there and I want to in, in just a bit, but I wanna point out this incredible book that you have, Manhood, uh, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Um, you wrote this book because you see the, the, the American culture shaping the boys and men of today in the wrong direction. Talk more about that. Well, you know, I'm a father, as you mentioned, father of three and my two oldest are boys. They're 10 and eight now, my little guys. And as they get older, Kirk, I've really been asking myself as a believer in Jesus and as a father, what is it I'm supposed to do to help my, my little guys grow into the men that God meant them to be? And when I listen to the messages the culture sending them, that, you know, masculinity is inherently toxic, that really there's no such thing as male or female, that we're all just androgynous, choose your own gender, there's a thousand genders. I thought to myself, no, I, I got to make sure that my boys understand the truth. And that's really where the book started, because God has an incredible purpose for every man in this world, an incredible purpose of following him, of doing his work, of being husbands and fathers, and of transforming the world ultimately to his glory. That's what we're called to do. And that's what the book is about. To me, there, there are no better authors than those who are personally invested in the topic and, and, and better books that are written for your own children, the people that you love the most, or, or, or written at, that born out of your own experience and a transformation story that is uh, rooted in the power of God. Josh, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where we can't even define what a man is, let alone know how to shape boys into future ones? I think we got here over decades where the, the, the liberal leaders of this country for decades has shaped our culture. And what it has said is that there is no God, that there's no eternal, there's nothing permanent or true, no good or evil, no right or wrong. And when you send that message to young people, it is profoundly disorienting, profoundly disturbing, which is why we see so many kids today, men and women, boys and girls, who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with mental illness, who are struggling with thoughts of suicide because they don't know who they are. And the antidote to that is to tell them the truth, is to recover what the Bible says, what the Lord says about man and woman, about the purpose that we each have. Josh, do you think that the demasculinization of men is just an accidental consequence of removing God from the culture? Or do you think that the removing of God in the culture had in mind the demasculization of men? No, I think it's deliberate. I think what the left wants to do is that they do not want men who will stand up and challenge them. That kind of a man is not gonna to be told what to do. And I think unfortunately the leaders of this country, that's not what they want. They want men who will do as they are told, who will sit down and shut up. And what we need is just the opposite. We need young men especially to turn off the computers, come out of the basement, get a job, start a family, and be independent, be providers, be protectors. That's the message we need to send. Josh, who were some of the, the, the male role models in your life and what were some of the lessons that they taught you? Well, I tell some of these stories in the book. You know, my own father, of course, my grandfather, who was actually the first generation of our family born in the United States. And my grandpa was the son of an immigrant. And uh, I, he's a farmer his whole life long. And I, I tell a lot about his story in the book. And I just, relating to him as a guy who was never famous, you know, never wealthy, never influential in the way the world measures influence, but he raised six kids, he was faithful to his wife his whole life long. He provided for his family and he made possible the lives of so many people, his kids, his grandkids, 15 grandchildren, simply by following the Lord, working hard 
and doing what God called them to do. If you live the way that the Lord calls us to live, if you take on the responsibility the Lord calls us to, if you give your life in service to others, you find lasting significance and lasting legacy. That's what I learned from him. How have the women in your life helped to support your development into the man that you've become? Well, let me just start with my wife, you know, because she and I, as I was writing this book, we'd have lots of conversations about this topic. She told me, you know, Josh, a strong woman does not want to have a weak man who's just another child that she has to care for like her other children. A strong woman wants a strong man who's going to be a partner, who is going to be a provider, who is going to contribute. Step up, be strong, be responsible. My mother, she was the first one to introduce me to the Lord, the one to teach me the scriptures the one to teach me to pray, and the one to give me a sense of purpose for my life. I mean, really, my mom instilled in me this idea that the Lord has a unique purpose for me, just as he has a unique purpose for each of us. It's beautiful when you have a man and a woman who come together sharing that vision and then are able to step out and strengthen the ministry and life together. You know, this isn't just a couple of Christians just artificially rooting manhood and masculinity back into the Bible because well, we're invested in Christianity. It it really is the natural outflow. And without rooting in a biblical worldview, you will end up being confused about what a man is and what a woman is. And ultimately, we're going to come up with arbitrary characteristics for for men and for women, and women can become men and men. and, And all of it's actually okay if we don't come back to these transcendent definitions and values. In your book, you pose this great question. And that is, what makes a man? Why do you ask that question in the book? I think it's important we get back to the fundamentals and we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it that really makes a man a man? And this gets us to why we go to the scripture. I mean, you've got to go all the way back to the foundational truths because increasingly our culture has forgotten them. And Kirk, I'm I'm not ashamed of saying it. Listen, our culture is based on the biblical truth. It's based on the revealed wisdom of the Bible. I mean, that's just a fact. American history is based on the wisdom, the truth of the Bible. And what the Bible says to men is, you are called by God, you have a unique purpose, and God calls you to certain responsibilities in life. He calls you to be a husband and a father and a warrior and a builder. And so I talk about those in the book. How do we rightly talk about the characteristics of masculinity in men without over-stereotyping men for example, saying that, well, real men have to have broad shoulders, a beard, and drive a truck. You know, some are going to maybe fit that uh, description, while others uh, don't. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And to me, this is why it's so important to go back to the Bible and to look at the timeless truth of what God created men to be and what God created women to be. Because that's different than any given person's personality. What the Bible says to men is, you were created to carry the image of God, the presence of God into the world. If you look at Genesis, what's God do? He creates the world. He creates the Garden of Eden. He puts Adam and Eve in the middle of that garden, and he says to Adam, expand the garden into the rest of the world. It's an incredible picture that emerges right there in Genesis. That's the mission of every man. Now, how each man fulfills that is going to look different to each man, but there's no doubt that there is a unique calling for men as men. And I think we've got, to, we've got to tell that story. We've got to recover that truth. And this is why then I look at the different roles that God calls us into as men. Because again, you know, how one man approaches being a husband is going to be a little different than another man. But there's no doubt that God calls us to acquire the character of husbands and fathers and warriors and builders 
and priests and kings, and every man is called to those roles. Josh, how does the, the collective character of today's men uh, impact us nationally and internationally? Well, I would just say, if, if you want to deal with, for instance, the problem of childhood poverty in this country, and we have so many kids who are, who are living in poverty, you want to change that? Put a father back into the home. If you want to deal with the epidemic of youth violence in this country, put a father back into the home. And this is why I say that if you want to take a tackle and take on all of our biggest social problems, or almost all of them, the key to it really is, in so many cases, responsible men, husbands and fathers, who are willing to get in there and do the job that God meant them to do. And you know, this isn't just me saying this. I mean, you can go look at the data. It shows that when you have a two-parent family, particularly with a husband who is there, who is working, who is contributing, overwhelmingly, those families live above the poverty line, not below. Kirk, there are some studies, this is amazing, that show that you don't even have to have a dad in every single home to make a difference. Just putting one dad into a neighborhood brings down the violence in that neighborhood, particularly gets young boys out of violence. Fathers are unbelievable, unbelievable in the difference they make. So want to change the course of this country's future? Man, get men to be husbands and fathers. And of course, the same is true for us internationally. I mean, how are we going to defend ourselves? We need men who are willing to stand up. There are men who may be watching this and saying, you know, I, I didn't have that dad in my life. I did the best that I could. I was following those around me and my, my, my buddies didn't have dads who were responsible. They didn't show up. Is there a unique role that the church ought to be playing in the raising of godly men in our culture? Absolutely. I mean, the church is, is, is critical, central, indispensable. And I think what we need the, the church to do, and I, I just, I, I, I plead with my my fellow believers and pastors, you know, we need ministries that reach out to men and that meet men where they are, that help them take on the, the shoulder, those responsibilities of being husbands and fathers, and then encourage them and empower them with the word of God and the spirit of God to do that. But, you know, when it comes to mentoring, a lot, so many men in this country now, because just look at the number of guys who grew up without dads in the home. They don't have those role models. They need to see men demonstrating what it looks like to be responsible fathers, what it looks like to, to get up on time, go to the job, hold down a job, you know, save a little money, provide for other people. They need to see that. And I would just say to the older men out there, you know, men who have who've been through it, they've walked through life and now they've maybe they're in retirement, they've got some time on their hands. Boy, this isn't the time to sit back, man. You know, we need you now more than ever. You guys who have got more experience in life, you can change a young man's life by just spending a little bit of time with him and sharing some of your wisdom. I mean, really, that can change the future of a young man and through him, so many other people. And that's the kind of thing we need. We need the church to do that. We need Christians to dig in and invest here. Josh, who could we look to if we don't have somebody in, in our own life as an, an example of a strong and godly man? Um, and, and then within social media, we look at some and go, wow, you know, there's, there's, there's truth mixed with other things that are so wildly outrageously wrong. And there is such a thing as a toxic masculinity that, that takes this command for dominion and turns it into domination, not just of culture, but of women, of children, uh, of other men. And we understand that masculinity is so important. So are there biblical characters we can look to as role models for the right kind of manhood? Absolutely. And I try to tell some of those stories in the book. You know, we can look at Abraham, for example. Here's a guy who, by the time he was in his 70s, the Bible said, had really not done anything with his life. He didn't have any kids. 
Uh, he was married, but you know, it doesn't seem he'd made much of his marriage. And, and what does God call him to do as a man who you think all his best years are behind him? But no, God says, go leave your dad's house. You know, I mean, get out of the basement, leave your dad's house. Put down the Xbox. Put down the Xbox, turn off, the, turn off your screens, you know, and go do something. Go follow me and go become a father. And so I would just say to, to, to young men out there, listen, you can look at the scripture and above all at Jesus. I mean, I just, I don't want to leave this topic, Kirk, without saying that for the men out there, we should be clear. There's on, ultimately only one true man with a capital M and that's Jesus. And so I would just invite those who don't know him to give their lives to Christ. I mean, that is the true man. That's how you're going to find your purpose. And if you follow him, he will bring mentors into your life. He will give you his own spirit to empower you. He will teach you out of your word, out of his word in the scripture. So that he's the ultimate guide. And then there's so many other people in the Bible, David, Daniel, Joseph, whom we can learn from. And in your church, you know, this is why to go back to your question about the church, it's, it's important for men of all ages to get involved in a local church because there's other men there who can come alongside you you can learn from and you can do life together. When I think of the scripture and you're reminding me of it right now, where Paul encourages us to put off the old man and put on the new man. So God is in the business of uh, transforming men. And so if, if men are listening to us right now and they're sensing their need to get rid of the old man, for that man to die and for the new man to emerge, where does he start? He starts, I think, first of all, by making that commitment to Christ and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you my life. And here's the beautiful thing is that it doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Listen, I say this as a father. I think every dad out there can relate to this. All dads know they mess up all the time, all the time. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I missed that opportunity. Oh, I was I was too harsh there. So, you know, whether you're a father or or not, if you, if you look back and you're like, man, I've got a lot of things I regret in my life. Hey, that's true of all of us. But that doesn't mean that your future has to be something that is no good or that is, is not available to you. You can have a tremendous future of purpose and meaning. It starts with following Christ. And then it starts by, it, it continues from there by committing every day to surrendering every aspect of your life to him and sacrificing your life and your self-interest for other people. And just to you know, drill down on that, Kirk, I mean, this is where, again, being a dad and being a husband, men learn real quick that what's your purpose in life? It's not to make yourself happy. It's to make possible the lives of other people. It's to enable and empower your wife. It's to empower your kids. It's to make life possible and meaningful for other people around you. And what a joy that is. So I think, you know, men, if they want to grow as men, what do you do? You start thinking about how can I help somebody else? How can I lift a burden off of somebody else? If I'm a father, how can I pour into my kids? That's the way you do it one step at a time. And you mentioned earlier about men being warriors and builders. And now you're talking about sacrificing your life for others and realizing it's not about you. I, I, I've been studying um, Solomon and in the book of First Kings, Solomon was a warrior. Solomon was a great builder. He built the temple. Uh, and yet, in the end, his legacy was not good. He was wise. He was knowledgeable. But in the end, he... He, he, he made so much of it about himself and did what he wanted for his own gain. And, and ultimately, that will be a man's downfall. Um, you can step into the roles of, of, of being a man, but if you're not doing it for the honor of God and for the blessing of other people, realizing it's not about you, it's about God and it's about others, um, then it, it, all, of, all of your effort can be futile. 
So th thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, and isn't that, by the way, Kirk, just the just a key onto that, isn't that the the temptation of our age, our day and age, when our culture says, live for yourself, you know, make your own self happy, just do whatever it takes to make you happy. And the truth is, if you live that way, just for you, you will end up alone, isolated, empty, and there'll be no legacy. But if you live for others, that's how you change other people's lives. That's how you leave a legacy. Josh, what can, what can women do practically to support the men in their lives who are trying to make this change, who are trying to step into the life of the new man? Number one is encourage, encourage, encourage. You know, I mean, there's nothing that motivates a man like the approval and encouragement of a good woman. I mean, that's just, that's true of all human history. You see that in the pages of the Bible? Yeah, you see, you see, I know that in my own life. So I think for the women out there, whether they're wives or mothers, you know, if you're a wife, encouraging your husband uh, to take on that responsibility when he messes up as he inevitably will. I'm proud of you. We'll do this together, honoring the, the work that he's trying to do. For, for mothers, you know, I just, again, think back to my own mother who introduced me to the scripture, who told me uh, about the purpose that the Lord had for me. Mothers have a tremendous opportunity to give their young boys a sense of God's call on their life, a sense of their purpose as men. And boy, you talk about instilling something that will last forever and will impact the lives of, of so many others. That's it right there. I watch videos of you and you seem to have such fortitude. You know, you're, 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 the, you're the mast with the sail that is just standing tall with gale-forced winds coming against you. What do you do to stay encouraged and confident and, and, and keep that vision of victory before you. You know, I just try to keep my focus on the Lord. And uh, I, I certainly do that imperfectly uh, and, and have a lot to grow. But I, I just try and I, I don't listen to, to the naysayers and the critics. There's always plenty of those. And, you know, that's fine. But uh, I just try to stay focused on the Lord and what I feel he's called me to do. But just most of all on him, you know, and think about what is it that he's done for me? You know, he's rescued me. He saved me. He has a plan for me. And uh, he, he deserves the honor and glory and praise. And, and it's ultimately, you know, if you serve him, if you love him, he'll see to all the rest. And so I just, I, as much as I can, I try to stay focused on him and his purposes. And I try to be thankful, Kirk. You know, this is something that as I, I get older, uh, I find is so powerful is to be thankful and to try to cultivate that spirit of gratitude. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I, I give him thanks for the challenges I have. I'm thankful to have this challenge and to, to have to you know go to him in prayer and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm thankful you've given me this challenge so I can come to you. And you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow in that in my season of life and finding that gratitude you know, really does lead to, to greater freedom, joyfulness, and ultimately, I hope, strength. Boy, I've been learning that too, Josh. Th thank you for reminding us of that. Uh, there's a, a preacher who I love who always likes to say that gratitude is the attitude that determines the altitude for living. And, 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 and in the scriptures, God commands us to have gratitude. He says, in everything, give thanks. When you offer your prayers and petitions, uh, do it with thanksgiving. It, it's not an option where I evaluate whether or not I'm thankful for this situation or this trial. He says, give thanks. And what that means is that there is something of value in this circumstance, in this trial, in this challenge that I must give God thanks for because he's teaching me something in this. And, and that gives me a perspective from the foot of the cross in humility that um, God knows what he's doing. Duty is ours, results are his, and I can trust him with them. So good, so good. And I, I think also, you know, being thankful, it just invites the Lord to work. You know, when you're thankful, 
It invites him into your circumstances in a new way, especially in challenges and trials. It invites him to work in different ways. And to your point, it changes my perspective. When I'm thankful, I think, okay, wait a minute. The Lord has something in this for me. He wants to teach me something. He wants to grow me. He wants to stretch me. He wants to give me a chance to help other people. And the gratitude really unlocks that. So it's a great thing to grow in. I hope to grow in it more and more. I need to. Well, I do too. And uh, as, the, as the blessed controller of all things continues to work all things together for the good of those who love him, uh, we have lots of reasons to be thankful. Josh, I'm so thankful for you, for your new book, Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Senator Hawley, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.